Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. You're very welcome along to the Big Red Bench on this Saturday evening. We're here with you until 7 p.m. And a packed hour of sport coming your way. In the next 60 minutes, we'll be keeping an eye on things that happening at the Aviva. Ireland taking on South Africa. Three apieces outstanding at the moment. 22 minutes on the clock there. We'll keep you up to date on that game. Also in the shots. Now we're going to look ahead to Munster and the Springboks in Parky Cueve. This coming Thursday night in what is going to be an absolutely historic, historic night down in the park. We're also going to look back on last night's defeat for the Ireland A side against New Zealand. We'll hear from Craig Casey. We're going to talk Camogie and look back on the SC Systems Core Camogie Senior Champion County Final. And we're going to talk MMA and Cage Warriors, newest Irish champion. That's all to come between now and 7 o'clock on the Big Red Bench. Glad you could join us, Rory, in here for Aiden on the show tonight. Ends in for me tomorrow, some sort of freaky Friday swap kind of situation. But I'm in here on a, a rare Saturday, and uh, delighted to have your company on the big red bench this evening. As I mentioned, it is Ireland three, South Africa three, with twenty uh, three minutes on the clock there. Uh, Johnny Sexton um, with the uh, early penalty for Ireland. South Africa are down to fifteen for the next couple, or down to fourteen, I should say, uh, for the next uh, couple of minutes. Uh, Cheslin Colby uh, with the yellow card for um, a spear tackle that looks like he should have gotten a red, but the referee. Uh, seems happy enough with his decision to only give a yellow so that's going to be a major talking point in that game but look it's three apiece Ireland taking on the world champions and uh, yeah we'll keep you posted on how that game goes but uh, yeah another three minutes for South Africa down to 14 elsewhere today Wales uh, wait for a win against New Zealand continues they suffered a 55-23 defeat in Cardiff they've not beaten the All Blacks for 69 years Scotland bouncing back from last weekend's narrow loss to Australia as they beat Fiji today 28 points to 12 elsewhere today Italy beating Samoa 49-17 France and Australia is the late kickoff. that is an 8 o'clock start in Gaelic Games and victory today for Bally Giblin in the AIB Munster Club Junior Hurling Championship quarter final. Uh, they've beaten Grange, Mockler, Bally Neal of Tipperary today in Sample Stadium 210 to 11 points. as out finished Colomani and Dara Flynn uh, with uh, the goals there. They'll now face uh, College and Emmett of Waterford in the semi final. Leva Bourne, meanwhile, are in action this afternoon in the ladies' junior football final. They are taking on Ula of Limerick. And that game is underway in Mallow. A little score from there. It's uh, Navalbon leading by six points to five. 11 minutes gone in the second half there. We'll keep it posted on that one. Meanwhile, the All-Ireland Club Football Champions Kilku winning the winners of tonight's clash between the uh, between uh, Bally Bay and uh, Cross McGlen. Six-time All-Ireland winners Cross McGlen coming into the match on the back of a 12-point victory in the recent Armagh final, Bally Bay are Monaghan champions for the first time in a decade. That's at the Athletic Grounds. That is at a quarter past seven. Now in basketball, it's National Cup weekend, a huge Cork derby. And UI's Ireland Neptune, UCC Demons going head-to-head at Neptune Stadium. That's tipping off uh, in just under half an hour at half past six. It's sold out is Neptune Stadium. That is going to be an absolutely electric encounter at the famous old stadium there. Elsewhere, Emporium Cork Basketball taking on Mike Holland. That is underway. 
In the Women's National Cup, the reigning champions, the address CCC Glenmire, are out. They've been beaten by Meteor 68-61 today. Singleton Supervisor Brennan will going to Liffey Celtics. That gets underway at 7pm. We wrap up today's Premier League action. Certainly plenty of drama today. We will start with Manchester City going top of the table. And they certainly left it late against Fulham. Darren Stanage reports. Manchester City 2, Fulham 1, an injury time penalty from Erling Haaland. It gives Manchester City all three points here at the Etihad Stadium. They were in total control early on. Alvarez opened the scoring for the home side, but a massive moment just before the half-hour mark. Cancelo sent off for fouling Harry Wilson in the area. Pereira converted. City threw on Haaland. He thought he won it when he rose to meet De Bruyne. Ball, headed the ball home, ruled off for offside, but an injury time penalty wins it for Pep's side. Manchester City 2. Fulham one drama, but they are top. Our Manchester City, um, their boss is Pep Guardiola. He says winning in such dramatic circumstances makes it extra special. Yeah, it was it was really really good. One of the best experience we ever had here. So, and after see with our people together, and uh, yeah, it was a great great afternoon for us. Certainly a very very relieved man. Um, an absolute cracker today between Leeds and Bournemouth. Adam Jury had the pleasure of watching this one. Leeds four. Bournemouth 3 for the second straight week Crescenzio Somerville has scored the winner for the hosts Leeds took the lead on 3 through Rodrigo before Tavernier levelled on 7 by 19 Billing had made it 2 then shortly after half time Solanke made it 3-1 Bournemouth they looked to have this game sewn up but Jesse Marsh's subs made a huge impact Greenwood making it 3-2 on 60 before Cooper on 68 heading in a leveller then on 84 Somerville finding the back of the net to round off a stunning comeback at Ellen Road it finished Leeds 4 Bournemouth 3 so 3-1 down where Leeds today to come back to win 4-3 they were booed off at half time when they were trailing today um, the Leeds boss Jesse Marsh says his players response was just what was needed after that at half time we tried to instill belief in the team that we could still manage to find the result and I told them after the match that the best part was is I could tell by the looks on their faces that I didn't have to convince them that they believed it and I think the second half performance exemplified that Brighton winning away to Wolves today. Plenty of goals in this one too. Tom Ross. Would expect fireworks on November the 5th and that was what the crowd at Molyneux got. A red card, chances galore, goals and a brilliant performance by Japanese winger for Brighton, Mitoma, who gave Wolves defenders a torrid time. But his manager, Roberto De Zerbi, said Mitoma can improve a lot and become a big player. He also said this was a better performance in terms of quality and creativity than the win over Chelsea last week. Wolves were angry about the sending off of Semedo. Steve Davis said it wasn't a goal-scoring opportunity and he shouldn't have been sent off. Brighton go up to six. Wolves stay second from bottom. It finished. Wolves two, Brighton three. Um, Stuart has gone off injured for Ireland. Uh, 26 minutes. Uh, looks like an arm injury has gone off with his jersey acting as a, a makeshift sling. So he is off. Jimmy O'Brien is on for his Ireland debut at outside centre. That is a massive, massive blow for Stuart McCloskey. We had a good start to that game at the uh, Viva Stadium. Um, elsewhere, as we mentioned there, Wolves uh, remaining second bottom after losing 3-2. Interim boss uh, Steve Davis was in charge today. He was uh, confirmed earlier on today that uh, former Real Madrid boss Yulan Lopetegui will be their next permanent head coach. And uh, Steve Davis says it was far from the performance he was after following that news. Just soft, really easy to, to score against. You know, we, we showed a, good, a lot of resilience at times, but then 
at the key moments around the box we just didn't defend just made poor decisions I've shown that frustration to them today because I was frustrated we should have we should have won the game today Nottingham Forest with what could be a crucial uh, point today as they scored an injury time equaliser they drew two all with Brentford they remain bottom they're just two points from safety though their boss is Steve Cooper he's felt they should have had three penalties among other issues today we'll be feeling of like like luck obviously was went against us with, with um, the officiating today but I'm also looking at um, the last ten minutes of the first half and, and the goals we conceded as well Elsewhere in uh, the evening kickoff in the Premier League, Everton are currently hosting Leicester City. 33 minutes on the clock there. It remains scoreless at Goodison Park. In Scotland today, Celtic scoring in the 90th and 92nd minutes to get past bottom team Dundee United 4 2 in the Premiership. So that moves them seven points clear of second placed Rangers, who play St Johnston tomorrow. Their boss is Ange Postacoglu. He says there's no surprise his players battle back towards the end. Yeah, I think people realise now those things don't happen by chance we've done it you know whenever we've needed to do it and just credit to the players you know they just don't uh, they don't give up uh, dare I say they don't stop and um, it's something that you know we, we kind of instilled in them from day one and they've embraced it and uh, back to the Aviva 28 minutes now on the clock there it's a pretty nervy game at the moment Ireland 3 South Africa 3 have to mention it's an horrendous jersey clash that's happening at the moment obviously South Africa in their famous Green Ireland their change strip of navy with some sort of tiger print design is it or Babware or something it's an awful jersey but it's navy with green bits in it and it's, it can be hard to differentiate um, between the players when they're uh, in a rock situation because the player the colours just kind of blend into each other the navy and the green and I imagine it's difficult for um, the players as well or the supporters at the Aviva Stadium watching that but certainly watching um, on the uh, the Amazon stream here this evening it is difficult yeah, to, to tell them apart sometimes it's a horrendous Georgia clash I don't know what they were thinking um, but yeah that's my little gripe for today Ireland 3 South Africa 3 coming up in a half an hour and uh, we'll get you a half time report on that one uh, in a little bit uh, from Ashling O'Reilly uh, some other bits of news uh, gymnastics Ireland's Reese McLennan claiming a pommel horse goal at the World Artistic Gymnastics Championships in Liverpool the down native following up his impressive performances in qualifying to become Ireland's first champion in gymnastics the 23 year old was a bronze medal winner at the 2019 championships in Stuttgart Host Australia have been knocked out of the T20 Cricket World Cup England sealing a place in the last four of the competition by beating Sri Lanka in Sydney they survived a batting collapse the chase down a victory target of 142 with two balls remaining and trainer Henry de Bromhead thinks Envoy Allen's next run is likely to be in the King George of Kempton on St Stephen's Day. Richard Blackmore steering the eight-year-old to victory today in the champion chase at Down Royal and also maintains Envoy Allen's unbeaten record at the Ulster venue. All right, plenty of rugby to come on the show. We're going to look back on the Ireland A side and their defeat uh, to a New Zealand selection in just uh, a little bit. First up, though, it's going to be incredible. Absolutely incredible on Thursday night when the Springboks come to Parky Cueve as they take on Munster um, in what's going to be an historic clash at the famous grounds first ever rugby game to take place down in the park Aidan's been speaking to uh, Munster legend Billy Holland and All-Ireland winner with Cork team with The Rock O'Sullivan ahead of the game now The Rock will be on tomorrow's show but now we're going to hear from the Ireland legend Billy Holland and his conversation with Aidan 
about the significance of Thursday's game. I'm delighted to be joined by former Munster rugby star and Hell Week survivor, of course, Billy Holland at Parky Cueve as Pinergy was today unveiled as the presenting partner for Munster Rugby's historic clash with South Africa at the Cork GA grounds Thursday, November 10th, of course. Pinergy, who are also proud sponsors of the Munster Senior Schools Cup, are continuing their support of the province by hashtag powering the difference for this game, which will see professional rugby played at the famous GA venue for the first time. Energy is proud to support sustaining the future of rugby in the province and supply 100% renewable energy to Munsters, Thoman Park and Musgrave Park. Billy, I hope you're keeping well. I am very well. Um, thank you, Aidan. Um, I'm really, really excited for this game on Thursday week. It's it's going to be a special occasion, and you know, uh, particularly for the people of Cork who've been up and down the road to Town Park for years. And I think it's it's a it's great that this has finally happened in Parky Cueve and to have the you know, the defending world champions, Razzy Erasmus, um, Jacques Narber and Felix Jones, you know, coming to play in Parky Cueve against Munster, it's, you couldn't really script it. Absolutely, that's it. There's so much in it, like, you know, like Cork in the spotlight on the world stage, particularly that magnificent stadium down by the marina and also that fact that, like you said there, you know, Cork rugby needs this boost as well. Yeah, it does. Look, Cork is is it's such a special sporting county, and I think rugby has been um, hasn't always been prioritised in Cork. Um, but like the talent coming out of Cork is phenomenal. Majority, like a huge number of the Munster squad are from Cork. There's a large contingent from West Cork. The the you know the East Munster contingent is growing. It's it's so important that Munster you know really get as much talent as possible, and having a game like this in Cork in Parky Cueve it's just crucial for the future of Munster Rugby and you know Thursday Thursday week is, is important but going forward when Munster playing knockout games in Europe it's going to be so important that they get to play these games in the province of Munster and not have to traipse up the road to, to the Aviva in Dublin you know I myself had three home European semi-final losses all in the Aviva you know, yeah. I, I know for certain if if uh, some or one of them were in one Parky Cueve, there would have been a different outcome. It's you know, it, it is it is always really special to play in your home province. So it's great, and you know, it's great the GA have agreed to this, and everyone wins, and I really don't they financially, uh, you know, uh, and monster monster as well. It's fantastic. Are you a bit jealous that uh, you didn't get a chance to play in Parky Cueve? Yeah, the last time I was on, the, the one and only time I was in the pitch in Parky Cueve was when I was coming second last in the school sports, uh, in the city sports when I was 11 years old. Uh, I never got to grace that fantastic pitch, but I've been there multiple times watching Cork play, hurling a football, and it's I'm without a doubt jealous. I just I wish this had happened sooner, but I'm, I'm more than happy that it's happening now. And I think it's going to be, you know, hopefully a really good, sustainable relationship going forward um, to have a stadium that holds 42,000 people in the province of Munster that, you know, can accommodate the commerciality of, of professional rugby while also just accommodating, you know, uh, an important group of supporters who have been really loyal to Munster. And, you know, it says it all. A Thursday night in Cork, 42,000 people sold out within, within a day or two. It's just, it speaks volumes, doesn't it? Absolutely, yeah. I suppose I can't remember who beat you 
in that in that race. <laughs> yeah, the other race. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I suppose looking at Munster, um, like it's been a difficult start to the season. Um, I think it's more than fair to say though that you know Graham Rountree and his coaching staff do look as if they're implementing their style in the past couple of weeks. I suppose Saturday especially has been a lot more encouraging. Yeah, like you can see that if you watch the game on Saturday, you see what they're trying to do in attack. They're really trying to move the point of attack, you know, moving it wide or changing the point of attack. Great running lines, lovely skills from guys at times. <clears throat> and it takes time changing how you play a game. It takes time. It can take 12 or 18 months, in my opinion, to make, to, you know, for to be perfected. Once they don't have that time, um, you know, they've also been decimated with injuries. You've had guys coming back from late from international duty then you've guys going off on emerging Ireland duty you've different fellas being injured it's just been you couldn't really have uh, had a more difficult start as a head coach but to me what's really important is they're clearly sticking together when you when you're difficult situations like that you kind of you stick together and you grow as a group or you kind of fall apart and that's definitely not happening happening there's real positive vibes coming out of the squad you know they're looking on the positive side of things and and rightly so I think they need to improve in their discipline. Um, I think some of their Maldi defence needs to improve, particularly against South Africa. South Africa are going to be like a, you know, a, a supersonic uh, Ulster really in that regard. But the, the positivity and what the direction Munster are going is is just is just really really good. I'm, I'm very excited to see where where it continues to go. I suppose an occasion like this then can be that perfect tonic to help the project really kind of lift off the ground. Yeah, form form goes out the window. I know it's a bit of a cliche, but like when I played the All Blacks in 2008 and Australia in 2010, you're, it, nothing matters. It's it's just so different. Um, it's you're just you're playing against an international team in front of your fans, in front of your family, and in my opinion, in, from in my case, you're fearful you're going to get beaten by 50 points by an international outfit. And it forces you to go so deep within yourself to really go to a place where emotionally and commitment-wise is just off the charts. And Munster will need to do that on Thursday week. The guys will will just have to dig so deep within their within themselves and go to you know you hear about people saying you're know, going to the well. It's beyond that. When you're a provincial side like that with so many injuries against the defending champions in in in, in Parky Cueve, a GAA stadium. It's just, I've no doubt that the, the, the squad, hopefully led by Jack O'Donoghue, will just, will just go to a place so deep within their soul that they're unbeatable. And like against New Zealand that day in 2008, we missed 38 tackles. You know, you've no right to be within any sort of a scoreline when you miss that many tackles. But for every tackle missed, there was two guys taking down that, that opposite man. And they just, teams like that aren't used to that. Um, South Africa won't know what's what's hit them, and it'll be be difficult for them to to play against that when it's just relentless, this relentless energy and emotion, and um, hopefully it'll lead to a special special night. Yeah, it's almost like the the continuing on of that tradition. Like obviously, it goes all the way back to that first time that Munster beat the All Blacks, and every time that Munster do play these games, it's so huge. Like it captures the national audience and international audience as well. Like, and even like you said, they're going back to that game against the All Blacks that you played in. Like I remember watching that. It's it's a real in the years moment. Even like these occasions are just huge when Munster are involved. 
Yeah, it brings look, it brings rugby back to its rawest element and it brings it back to its roots. It's a bit of David versus Goliath kind of territory. And that's where I'm kind of saying we're Munster, Munster have no right to beat South Africa on Thursday week. A decimated Munster squad without their internationals against um you know, against the South African outfit who are defending champions, World Cup winners. It's you've no right to, to win that game. But that's what makes it so special. It's 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 just it peels it back to its rawest element of what rugby is. It's about go forwards, we'll put more points on the board, it's about body on the line, energy, um and the supporters having a huge impact on it. It's creating an environment that's so hostile for the South Africans that they don't know what to do and they're they're just kinda like rabbit in the headlights and hopefully we see that and it's the reason it captures the imagination is because it's just such it's 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 unique it's one off doesn't happen very often and and more often than not thankfully there's there's good outcomes and it's not even about the result it's about the performance it's about the contest and it's about seeing 15 guys in a red jersey just like putting their body on the line minute after minute uh, relentlessly the Springboks then, obviously, we can't predict who's going to feature on the pitch yet. But, you know, an old master and a man you know well, Razzy Rasmus, returning to the province, adds that something even more special. Yeah, and, and, and Felix Jones with a bit of insider yeah. knowledge. It's, you know, they were they were special monster men back in the day. And the fact that they are involved with, with South Africa in Parky Creek just adds another another layer, if that's even possible, to such a special occasion. Um you know, I think uh, this is Razzie's back first time back in Ireland um, in in five years. I think so. It's it's going to be hopefully he's going to have a tough couple of weeks of it. You know, he's had made comments in the in the media before about the toughness of Irish people, and that was that was a shame to hear things like that. But you know, I'd like to see a bit of a you know, hopefully Ireland this weekend coming and, and Munster on Thursday week will will will, will kind of. Put him back in his box. It's also his first match back after a, a lengthy touchline ban. So it's um, <laughs> it's it's quite the occasion. Were you always kind of aware of that as a player, like um, that kind of he, he's 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 just that bit of a live where like he's a bit of a loose cannon. Like was he always that way? Like with the stuff he would say, like cause he just kind of loves he loves taking the piss. Like do you know what I mean? In that kind of way, like yeah, he's you know. He is, I've never had a head coach like him. Um, you know, I've seen him just lose the plot in meetings and like send fellas away, you know, kind of pretty much send them back to club rugby for two weeks. Um, you know, he just does not accept sub par or sub, you know, physical performances. Um, he does manage out of fear. You know, as a player, you were very fearful of him. You just do not cross him. You do not question his selection decisions. Um, and I think him moving into director rugby role is, is, is smart for the sustainability because you can't take that the whole time as a player. And that's where Jacques Nienarber comes in. He is, he just, you know, Razzie doesn't want to know about you or your family. He just wants to know about you. He just sees you as a piece of meat that performs for 80 minutes each weekend. Jacques, Jacques knows all about you. Jacques knows all about your family. He, if you perform well, he's hugging and kissing you. If you don't perform well, he's kind of the disappointed parent. It's, it's a real impressive mix. And that's why they go so well together. Um, individually, you know, wouldn't quite be the same, but you know, I think Jacques is, uh, is, 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 is a, is a very sensible heads on the shoulder. Um, 
affable type of guy and Razzie's the type of fella you just don't cross and then Felix brings in the the technical knowledge and uh, you know it's a, it's a really good mix it's a really good coaching mix and for them to turn South Africa around um, in the 18 or 20 months from what they were where they were to winning World Cup just speaks volumes of them as as people and coaches absolutely yeah well Billy look it's been a pleasure to talk to you about this uh, can't wait for the match in Parky Cave I've got to be there myself thanks a million for joining us on the Bigger Bench thanks Aidan cheers Big Red Bench on Cork, Shred FM, that is Billy Holland there in conversation with Aidan ahead of what is going to be an historic game on Thursday night. Ireland 6-3 now against South Africa again. The last minute there, uh, Sexton penalty again. Conor Murray though going off injured. It's been an attritional uh, game uh, so far. High intensity, huge, huge impacts. But it is Ireland to leave us six games, or six points to three. That has been a goal at Goodison, Shane Pennington. It's Everton nil, Leicester one. The visitors in front, courtesy of an absolute cracker from Yuri Tillemans on the volley from the edge of the box after Harvey Barnes' cross was only half cleared by the Everton defence. It fell nicely for Tillemans, who took a touch, then hit it full on the volley from the edge of the box. It landed in left-hand top corner of Jordan Pickford's net, giving him no chance whatsoever. It's Everton nil, Leicester one. And that game is approaching half time there. In fact, it is just gone half time there. So it's uh, Everton nil. Leicester City one is how it stands. Right, going to look back on Ireland A versus New Zealand last night. Um, defeat for Ireland. Um, at the RDS 47-19 an easy win for the Kiwis uh, in the end it has to be said um, the All Blacks just look excellent last night the seven tries look very very solid and very very exciting as well uh, I'm going to hear now from uh, Craig Casey the Munster scrum half who was captain last night also going to hear a little bit from uh, Andy Farrell um, talking uh, about last night's game the standard of well, the opposition was was top draw, wasn't it? You know, and uh, and, it, and and it's great that it was that way because you know it's it's all about the experience and um, you know the the only thing that matters in this experience um, that we that we face tonight is, is is the learnings from it. So I just said to the lads, it's it's what you make of this now. Um, it's how you reflect. On, on the performance itself and how you break it down and how you take it back to your daily lives and and whether you readjust things and and see where where you're really at you know um, so in that regard um, you want them to feel a completely different experience and they certainly got that tonight oh yeah it's, there's 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 no excuses um, it's, it's, it's tough on the lads are you all right Greg yeah sir yeah. But it's um, it's tough tough on the lads, you know. It, I mean, they've had two training sessions. They've, they've been together for four days, and you know, um, with with Ryan Bird, um, uh, unfortunately, didn't didn't make it on, on the last minute. And Ross has not even had a, a session with us, like you know, Ross Maloney. So, uh, but that that's that's how international rugby is as well you know people get injured uh, late in late in the piece and I've got to be able to fit in but um, when you've not got the experience I suppose it, it, it is a different experience in that regard yeah it was definitely a step up I mean I don't think the pace of the game was any different to what it was down there I think we shot ourselves in the foot a bit in the first half and gave them points um, needed to manage the game better uh, and we our discipline wasn't good enough either so it just gave them ins and they grew from there um, the hard way back when the All Blacks are playing like that but um, 
Okay, disappointing on it. Uh, set piece wise, scrum was was was, was pretty good. Um, line out wise, we, we lost a bit of continuity there, but I suppose for 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 Craig and and, and for Frawls, it's you know a, a new um, partnership there together, and it's not just them; it's, it's the it's the team or probably the backline as a whole as far as the management of the of the game, you know, overplaying and. Um, uh, trying to pull rabbit out of hats sometimes, and you know it's a bit greasy out there, and up against uh, a ferocious defence because when you're not <coughs> making inroads and you try and play um, uh, expansive rugby off slow ball, then you're, you're going to lose collisions along the way. So um, again, management needed uh, uh, a little bit of tweaking as well, um, and then. I thought they um, they scored us a little bit of breakdown, you know, with 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 a little bit of know-how, and that comes about because of game management and um, running into brick walls and, and slow rugs, etc. So across the board, there's 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 learnings for 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 us all there, and uh, we, we understand 100%, don't we? After after a night like that, what it what it takes to um, <coughs> cherish possession and make sure. Oh, it's been it's been super positive. I mean, these lads have have one hundred percent helped no end to prepare these lads for, for for tomorrow. So, hats off the, for them to that. And you know, we'd um, with a thirty-seven man squad that came in uh, first up, and um, the first week, all of them were training to to prepare against South Africa, and some of them. You know, with uh, 12 added to, to, to the group, have have gone on a different course over over the last four or five days, which has been challenging for them. But the continuity for the for, for the squad that's taking the field tomorrow has been has been top draw. Yeah, they were very ferocious um, breakdown wise. I think Fels just alluded to there. They were they taught us a lesson a bit there. Kind of had to adapt, I think, uh, a bit to that, and we and we didn't uh, took us a bit of time. So, like, yeah, they taught us a lesson there. Yeah, it was unreal. Um, Something I've dreamed about uh, the whole way up. I mean, uh, but like you said, disappointing night. Not the way I wanted it to go. Uh, I did have family and friends there, so that was great. To, uh, but like some opportunity all week to, to lead a team and uh, to kind of control a week with a leadership group. So I loved it. But look, the night didn't go well. Yeah, it just wasn't Ireland's night. Uh, seven tries for uh, that New Zealand 15 last night against Ireland. Able, good run out um, for a lot of uh, Irish players and Craig Casey, Ireland captain last night. Absolutely fantastic to see that. Halftime whistle has gone at the Aviva Stadium. It's Ireland 6, South Africa 6 and what has been a bruising encounter at Lansdowne Road. We'll get your report on that one in just a little bit. And at halftime, Everton trailing Leicester City by a goal nil. Thanks to that Yuri Tillemans goal just on the stroke of halftime. Still to come on the show, we're going to talk Muggy and we're going to talk uh, uh, MMA. That's coming up next. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Delighted you could join us on The Big Red Bench on this Saturday evening. We're here until 7 o'clock. Stevie's up next with the block party from 7 until 10 Aiden back uh, for the Big Red Bench uh, tomorrow at 6pm. As I mentioned just before the break, Ireland and South Africa level at uh, six points apiece. Um, so that uh, is how it stands there at Lansdowne Road at the moment. Everton are taking on Leicester and uh, it is Leicester who lead there by a goal to nil heading into the second half just at half time there. Uh, so those two, two live events uh, currently taking place and uh, something to have a report on both of them but uh, haven't received any report from either game as of yet. So we will move on and we will talk uh, MMA 
and uh, a new Irish Cage Warriors champion, featherweight champion, uh, as uh, Derryman Paul Hughes became the Cage Warriors featherweight world champion after a super win last night over uh, Vucinic Jordan Vucinic uh, to become the Cage Warriors world champion so congratulations indeed uh, to Paul Hughes it's a big moment for him it's a big shot in the arm for Irish MMA um, because the scene has uh, kind of somewhat stagnated in recent years after the highs of uh, I suppose the uh, the Irish invasion and the whole Conor McGregor mania but uh, this could be uh, a big, big shot in the arm uh, for Irish MMA and it was a big win uh, for Paul Hughes last night an emotional win for him as well and it looks like his next fight is going to be in the UFC so for more on that and to see where he sits in the featherweight picture in the UFC I got a chance to speak to MMA journalist Kieran O'Flynn about last night's win All right, another Irish man looks destined for the UFC after Paul Hughes won the Cage Warriors title last night. And to join us uh, to talk more about it is MMA journalist Kieran O'Flynn. Kieran, how are you, sir? Not too bad, no, Rory. How are you? Good. Thanks for joining us uh, on the Big Red Bench today. And, Mir, this was a fantastic victory for Paul Hughes. And, look, UFC destined by the looks of it. And last night's victory um, just kind of put the, the rubber stamp on that, kind of the, the exclamation point on that. Yeah, it it did, Rory. And, like, you know, there's been a lot of hype around Paul for, for quite a while now. Um, and last night was a big one for him. Um, for a few reasons, you know, he had a long layoff. His last fight was October last year. He had a neck injury. Um, you know, his opponent, Jordan Vucinic, very, very tough guy who's also UFC-bound. It's just a matter of time. Uh, previously, Beth Hughes, um, they fought in 2020, I believe it was. Very, very narrow uh, split decision for Jordan that time. So there was a lot of pressure on Paul to perform. And he did. And he didn't just perform, he did it in style, you know. He was very dominant in every round. Uh, he nearly got submission in round two and round four. Um, and he just looked so clean and he just looked so good last night. Um, and I think just the UFC contract after that performance, anything but, um, you know, I think the UFC now is just inevitable. Yeah, a comfortable unanimous uh, decision win for him last night. Uh, got a chance to show all of his skills, I suppose, last night as well and showed the UFC fans what to expect from him when he does arrive uh, at that promotion. Yeah, yeah, it does. Like, And I think what it showed last night as well, Rory, is how well-rounded he is. You know, um, I thought he looked very good on the feet in rounds two and five as well. Um, and he was unlucky not to get submission. He was going for it in a couple of rounds. So it just shows how well-rounded he is. And I think with Paul as well, what people don't realise is how mentally strong he is and how, you know, how good his fight IQ he is. You know, he actually cornered UFC fighter Ian Gary for mm. Ian Gary's Cage Warriors welterweight win, I think it was a couple of years ago, um, and he did a good job cornering. So he, it's not just his skills physically, you know, his fight IQ is quite good as well. Um, and he's a good character. He's a very level-headed guy as well. So um, it'll be interesting to see how he copes with the jump to the UFC. Yeah, because the attention on him is obviously going to increase and you can either sink or swim with that kind of attention. Um, you look at people like Conor McGregor or Paddy Pimblett who kind of thrive under that spotlight, but then you see other Irish fighters who maybe just, they're not used to it, they're not accustomed to it. How do you think he's going to adapt to it? 
I think he'll be fine. A uh, couple of reasons. Um, I think he's a good team around him. He's a good he's a good camp around him. I think his management as well. He's managed by Paradigm Sports, who actually manage McGregor, so Audi Attar and Tim mm. Simpson. Uh, so he's the same management as McGregor as well. So he'll be well managed, and you know that management aren't this this won't be anything new to them. Like so, um, I think it's about managing them correctly now, and you know once he does sign for the UFC because I think it's just inevitable now you know managing him correctly keeping his feet on the ground Paul's a level headed guy anyway you see him in the interviews he comes across so well uh, but I think it's about getting him the right fight and building him properly you know you see guys go in I'll give you an example Reese McKee was running against Kazmat Shemaev like you know mm. a disaster you know so I think it's about managing him and getting him those fights the correct fights and then building him you know over time yeah, you, you're talking as well about his, his level-headedness and his character and I was reading an interview with him um, on the BBC today and he was heartbroken mm. that he beat Jordan because he likes Jordan so much as yeah. a person which kind of just shows you how much like uh, that Paul is all class basically. Yeah, yeah, I see. I, I watched that interview last night myself and he kind of put himself in Jordan's shoes, you know, like if it was the other way around, how heartbroken he would be and he kind of sympathised, you know, Jordan as a young family and stuff like that. And, you know, it, that's what's beautiful about MMA as well, you know, it brings these guys closer together. You know, some people look at it and they think, you know, it's, it's you know, it's a, phys- it's, it's a vicious sport to a certain degree. And But, you know, like they don't see this kind of side of it, which is nice. And, you know, it's nice. I think that's why Paul will do well, you know, just his kind mentality to have that you know some guys when they win they just jump over the cage and they're, you, they're gone but you know it's nice to see that side to him as well so that's why I think you know Paul has great potential to do very well once he does sign in the UFC It's a shot in the arm for Irish MMA as well Kieran. I mean like the scene has quietened mm. down um, quite considerably from what I can see over the last number of years but for the likes of Paul now to mm. get into Cage Warriors to, to get that title might just reinvigorate the scene a little bit yeah, yeah, I 100% agree. Like, you know, once McGregor kind of broke onto the scene in 2013, we had this huge influx of Irish fighters into the UFC, you know, Paddy Houlihan, Carl Pendred, Neil Seary, to name a few. And then, you know, that just that just dipped. And then we had McGregor. And, you know, you had one or two come in. Reese McKee come in and he came out. Dean Barry was briefly there for, like, one fight. But, you know, Ian Gary's in there now. He's doing quite well. And I think the sky's the limit for Ian. Um, and Paul Hughes is definitely arriving in there now. Two guys who have massive potential. And there's there, there's others on the way. You know, there's a, there's a guy in Dublin called Lee Hammond who I think once he does get his shot, um, you know, there's huge hype behind him. So... With McGregor's, you know, due back in early 2022, 23, sorry, Ian Gary, you know, is going strength to strength and then Paul Hughes up just about to arrive. You know, I think it's it's a good, 2023 is going to be a huge, huge year for Irish MMA. Mm. And where does Paul Hughes enter the featherweight picture now in the UFC and how strong is that division, Kieran? Yeah, the UFC, the featherweight division is stacked, to be honest. The lightweight, featherweight and and welterweight are probably the three strongest divisions in the UFC. So, you know, I think it's about getting them, you know, winnable fights. And that all comes down to his management, you know, uh, and his coaching and picking the right fights uh, and gradually building them up. Similar to what Ian Gary is doing. You know, Ian Gary went in there and he fought a guy just off the contender series and they're, they're gradually building Ian up. And if you watch Ian's fights, 
you know, Ian blew Cage Warriors out of the water, how good he was. And then, you know, he said himself he was a bit gun-shy in the UFC, and that can happen to fighters. That's why you need those couple of fights to just gradually build. And I think they need to do that with Paul, you know, get him a couple of winnable fights, and then gradually, gradually mm. go into that top 15 over a period of time. And just on Cage Warriors as well, Kieran, obviously um, run by um, a Cork man. Um, we've had Graham yep. on the show a number of times. Um, he's done such a fantastic job with dragging Cage Warriors and the doldrums to being a major player on the, the international scene. Yeah, yeah, he has. Graham's done an, an amazing job. Like I think at the moment, there's 108 athletes that have gone from Cage Warriors to the UFC, which is which is huge. And I think at the moment now, Cage Warriors are opening. It was just announced yesterday, uh, open trials for up-and-coming fighters. And then they go over to California and they compete and they get paid. They get their training paid. They get their housing paid. And then at the end, then there's like a 500,000 um winnable fee so mm. you know Graham's done a phenomenal job and you know I suppose before that you know the, the route to get to the UFC from an Irish perspective was quite difficult like there was no route but I suppose now it's kind of set in stone you know you go to Cage Warriors you do well and then the UFC is inevitable so at least Irish fighters have that path and they have that vision and to be honest that's all down to Graham yeah, it certainly is, and um, I suppose no MMA Chad is complete without mentioning uh, Mr. McGregor. Um, you mentioned him earlier. You're expecting mm. him back in 2023. Um, yeah. Dana confirmed that he wasn't in the USADA testing pool, so that means he can't fight for at least six months. I wouldn't be shocked to ever see him fight again, but you seem confident that you will. Uh, I would be, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, how successful um, he will be when he comes back is a different story. Uh, I think we'll definitely see him in there one more time, and then, you know, it depends how serious he takes it or not, Rory. Like, you mm. know, um, like if he comes back and he win- he loses one more fight, he he's gone. Like, I honestly think if he is going to have another crack at this, he needs to put pretty much everything else on hold. You know. Uh, his acting career at the moment he's doing his businesses and he needs to train and he needs to get wins on, win under his belts but that's easier said than done when you're making the money he's making outside of fighting and there has been like rumours of him fighting Jake Paul and stuff we saw Jake Paul beat Anderson Silva mm. last week I mean like yeah, I think mm. Jake Paul's probably too big to fight McGregor but still like it would be a bit of a, yeah. a bit of a freak show if it does happen like most of Jake Paul's fights yeah, yeah, and to be honest, like I, it's, it's not something that's beyond the realms of possibility down the line. Um, you know, McGregor at the minute is is huge. Like I think he's over two hundred pounds, and Jake Paul fights at about one ninety, I believe. Mm. So, you know, weight wise, wouldn't be a hundred miles away. But is it something I'd really want to see? Like I'd rather see McGregor <laughs> back in the UFC fighting. You know, I think even a Tony Ferguson, you know, just to get a win, something like that. I'd rather see something like that than, than him fighting Jake Paul, to be honest. But you never know. <laughs> you know. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Kieran, a pleasure, buddy. Thanks for joining us on the Big Red Bench. Rory, thanks a million. All the best. Yeah, it's Kieran Flynn there, MMA journalist. Really enjoyed having Kieran on the show this evening uh, to talk uh, about... Uh, a fantastic win uh, in the uh, uh, and in Cage Warriors I should say for Paul Hughes and it looks like he's going to be the next man to make the jump to from Cage Warriors to the UFC and as Kiram was outlining like, the amount of fighters that Cage Warriors have sent to the UFC and of course Cage Warriors as I mentioned um, headed by Courtman Graham Bolin who we have had on the show a number of times fantastic to see and they are real major international players on the MMA scene uh, back underway at the Aviva it's Ireland 6 South Africa 6 since the first couple of minutes there it's been a, a tough uh, attritional battle is the best way to describe it uh, between um, Ireland and the Springboks it remains to be seen 
uh, which team is going to hold up better but we will uh, live in hope that it will be Ireland 42 minutes on the clock Ireland 6 South Africa 6 is how things stand we're going to talk uh, before we do that just a quick uh, word on Naval Ball congratulations to them they've won the Munster Junior Final uh, fantastic win today over Hula 7 points to 5 was how that finish we'll hear from them on uh, the show later on um, or tomorrow I should say on tomorrow evening show but congratulations indeed to Neva Bond on that fantastic uh, victory today we are going to talk Camogie and the SC Systems Cork uh, Camogie Senior Championship County Final uh, was a, a brilliant advert for Cork Camogie between Shandun and Sarsfield an absolutely cracking game Joe McCarthy our man was there and Linda Melrick uh, the All-Ireland winner the Echo Live E columnist was also there so Jar caught up with Linda to talk about what was an excellent game between Shandun and Sarsfields Now on the Big Red Bench I'm delighted to be joined by Echo Newspaper and Echo Live.ie columnist Linda Melrick to reflect on an absolutely brilliant occasion for Cork Camogie the SE Systems Cork Camogie Senior County Final between Shandun and Sars delivered and did it what in terms of excitement in front of a big crowd at Castle Road and the defending champions held on to their crown Linda you're very welcome back to the bench Thank you Ger um, I guess there's no, as I said, uh, reading your, your your reflections on not just the, uh, the 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 final itself, but the occasion and what a big and important day it was for Cork Camogie at Castle Road. Talk to me about the crowd and the atmosphere first um, at, at the final, because it sounds like it was fantastic. It was. There was a great crowd. Um, initially, I thought they were a bit slow in coming in. I looked at the crowd about 10 minutes ago and I said, oh, I thought to be bigger. And then uh, five minutes into the game, I looked around and it was just packed. And uh, I think anyone who went wasn't disappointed. Um, when you consider the conditions, even though we had no rain for the for the duration of the game, when you consider the wonderful conditions and, and the quality of the hurling, it was just top class. And I mentioned in my article last week, I met a, num- met a number of people since, and, and particularly that night, and, and um, they were blown away by it. It was their first Camogie final, and they couldn't get over the standard and the quality. And... Um, so, and I, you know, I did mention as well that I think when you have a team like Shandun bringing players from, and and guys from different clubs, you know, uh, in particular, um, I thought it just added to the occasion and, and brought people that maybe may not have gone to a game in the past. Yeah, as you said, that's what divisions do. They bring in a lot of extra play- people uh, from different clubs and, it, it, you know, it swells the interest more than anything else. But the final itself, considering the conditions, because I was in Parky Cueva on the same day and the conditions were just as bad, but considering the conditions, it's testament to both teams and their preparation, Linda, that they put on such a fantastic show. Uh, look, I was blown away by it, to be honest. Um, you know, at, I mean, at the start, when 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 Amy went off and scored 1-4, you were saying, oh my God, what's happening here, you know? But, it, I mean, it's, I have to admire Sarah's because they never panicked. They didn't start making switches left, right and centre. Um, you know, they took the time, they settled. They were just kind of, you know, they'll obviously regret that opening eight or ten minutes. Um, but they settled and they started winning possession and winning freeze and got themselves back into it. And then it was kind of tit for tat. They'd hit three on the in, on, on the bounce and then Shandu would come back and hit three or four and it was back and forth like that until half time. And uh, five points in it at half time then. And then um, uh, Orla Mullins, I think, yeah, if I recall, she kicked off the start in the second half and then it was point for point again. But then when Amy got that goal in 35 minutes to, to, to give, put them seven ahead, I mean, you said, right, you know, you couldn't see a start's comeback. And yes, what a goal from the puck up from Orla Mullins. It was just, 
as good as you'd see anywhere. And all of a sudden then you're saying, gee, this is on again. And then they hit the next four points in a row and the sides were level and you just couldn't believe the excitement at that stage. I mean, they really got the gander up at that point and I actually thought at that point that they'd win it. Um, I thought Shandun were starting to tire, obviously after the the day before of um, the intermediate final and Bishopstone had played as well the day before so that, that took May Scanlon into another game 24 hours before, hours beforehand and and yet you have to give Shandun great credit because God they dug deep I think I thought Caitlin Hickey won great ball at that particular time around the middle of the field and then Shandun got the next three points which you couldn't have seen a few minutes earlier uh, Sars came back again with another couple and it was just tit for tat um and it was it was so exciting. You couldn't take your eye off it for a minute. And the crowd really got behind both sides. And it really was a tremendous occasion. I'm, you know, Castle Road is very open plan, as you know, very open, very... Um, if that had been in a stadium, to take it, it would have taken the roof off. If it had been out in CIT or somewhere, you would really have got the effect of the crowd, even though I don't think CIT would have held the crowd, to be honest. But uh, that would just give you an idea of, of, of the excitement that was there um, in those closing minutes as well, you know. Indeed, it sounds like an absolutely crackling atmosphere and fantastic way to end what's been a very, very entertaining senior club championship. Can I put it to you, Linda, from reading your report and reading your your, your analysis of it, how important it was for Shandun to have a county championship under their belts that in the melting pot towards the end that they didn't panic and that they just stuck to the game plan and maybe that's what helped them over the line? 100%. You know, I don't think they'd have got over the line had it been 12 months previously. I think their win in 2021 really cemented the team and bonded them. Um, and they, they play like a club team. They're, you know, they've got very close over that period of time. And, you know, and I think Amy had spoken before the game about, you know, you never know when we'll all be together again. And, you know, they just dug so deep because really I felt that stars were on the ascendancy midway through that second half once they drew level. Um, but how Shandun got the next three points really was 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 just testament to the to the drive, I suppose, and the hunger that they had in them to win that back to back title. Indeed, and for Trevor Coleman and his backroom team, um, and similar to Sars and their and their backroom team as well, the effort that they put in this year, I think, not alone just the skill levels, but the fitness levels for me is something that I've noticed. Now maybe it's post-COVID maybe players have just got more time and more freedom to get prepared but the quality of Camogie in both the semi-finals and clearly in the final suggests that the club scene is in a very healthy state uh, as with the intermediate final uh, and how that uh, that panned out between Ahambullock and Blackrock is that a fair comment Linda? Is the, is the quality of the Camogie getting better in your eyes or have we still a way to go on the club scene? Oh, well, look, it's hard to know. I mean, you know, Cork haven't done well in Munster or the All-Ireland for a, a number of years now. Um, uh, but, you know, I always, the Cork Championship, because it's so open, because so many can win it, it's always a top-class competition. And certainly if you base base everything on the final, you'd say, wow, the standard has gone up. But, you know, there were poor games earlier in the group. Mm. Um, but I think once we got to the knockout stage and you had, you know, you start getting the cream of the crop to the top, we had some great battles. We really did. Um, you know, fitness wise, absolutely. Um, certainly the fit, fitness levels have shot up. Uh, quality, you know, it depends on the game you're looking at as to whether you, 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 you'd say yes, it's gone up or not. Um, certainly the final was, was, was the best I've seen in a long time for quality. 
Excellent stuff. Now, Sars, obviously, for those who don't know, we'll go ahead uh, in this weekend in the Munster Championship because obviously Shandoon are a division. Um, they're playing this weekend. Uh, they have a tough assignment, Linda. They do. They're playing Scarif Oganello um, of Clare. They're, they're, they've just won their back-to-back title and they are the, most, the reigning Munster champions as well. Um, but, you know, Sars are more than capable of doing well in this competition. And... Um, I, I keep harping on about, you know, the players they've lost this year. I think that just adds even greater credit to, to their final display. Um, so obviously, Lucy Allen would still be out as well, and she was a massive loss the day of the final for them. But, you know, I bumped into Tygo Ty Glinch there at the re- intermediate replay there last Saturday, and, you know, he said they're up for it. You know, they knew before the final that, that this was on the agenda, and they're up for it, and they're looking forward to it and listen there if they bring the performance that they brought to Castle Road to Scarif, you know, they're in with a great chance. I haven't seen Scarif play. Um, but you'd imagine that the Cork champions and you could say, Look, in stars are close to being the, the you know, the top club in Cork. Um you you'd imagine that, that Cork champions would be Clare champions, but you know, you don't know. You don't know. I'm only kind of speculating there I don't know the Scarf team very well but certainly I would imagine with the quality that's in SARS that they're up there Yes indeed that should be an interesting uh, encounter as you said and and with Scarf's uh, reputation and with their recent record it's going to be a tough one for SARS but why not uh, before I let you go obviously we have not forgotten about Aha Bullock and Blackrock how could we because it was all over social media this past weekend the intermediate final replay and how that panned out <laughs> we're going to talk about it in more depth next week in depth more next week but um when we talk about the positivity surrounding Cork Camogie in the club scene, this final and the way Aha Bullock won it, Linda, only added to that. Oh yeah, look, I was at both games and, um, you know, Aha Bullock, I mean, both days you could say that they were, that, that the game was was gone from them. Um, Keena Healy was just majestic in the drawn game, gave them another chance. And this game was, was a lot closer, I think. It was tit for tat all the way through. Uh, it went to extra time. I thought when Blackrock got the goal at the start of extra time that that would that they'd probably see it out. But you know, once again, our Bullock, you know, they dug deep, they took their points. Blackrock had chances to go further ahead, they didn't take them. You know, our Bullock had chances, they missed them. But once again, Kleena Healy, you know, I mean, incredible that she was. I mean, the two games she has played for them have just been top class. And you know, her point there to win it had it fallen to anyone else, they mightn't have got it, but it fell to the right lady. Um, so you know you'd be delighted for Bullock to be fair it was their third final in a row to lose that would have been very hard at the same time you'd feel sorry for Blackrock I know some of those girls now they're on they're they're chasing this a long time as well so you'd feel for them to lose like that Big Red Bench on Cork Shred FM that's our Ireland winner with Cork Cork Camogie legend Linda Malarick of the Echo chatting to Jer um, the hardest working person in the business Jer McCarthy uh, about uh, the uh, Senior Camogie final and indeed I have Bullock and Blackrock there as well and for the best women in sport coverage you can check out the Women in Sport podcast every Thursday at 12 on redfm.ie with the man the myth the legend Mr. Jer McCarthy Ireland has scored two tries um, in the last couple of minutes Josh van der Fleer uh, went down to make it 11-6 uh, Mac Hansen um, has made it 16-6 uh, with the conversion to come in the corner great turnover try by Ireland and the Springboks are rattled absolutely rattled 
at the Aviva Stadium we'll have more on that game on the Big Red Bench tomorrow from 6 but 50 minutes on the clock Ireland 16 South Africa 6 is how things stand at the moment we're out of time thanks very much indeed for listening to us we'll talk to you on tomorrow evening show Steve's up next with the block party hang on a sec we'll just wait to see if Sexton can uh, score this it's over uh, on the left hand side um, near the touchline it's a soft angle for him I suppose it's um, better uh, on that side for a right footer he's uh, stepping up he's looking at the ball he's looking at the post he's taking a big deep breath he is starting his run up he's kicked it and he's pushed it left Ireland 16 South Africa 6 we'll talk tomorrow folks The Big Red Bench Saturday and Sunday from 6pm Cork's Red FM